Tanahashi pulls up. Alamon with the rejection. Big time block, Julie Alamon. Elderbrink goes behind her back, puts it up. Big time shot. She nailed it. Bukete. Behind the back to Burani, what a pass! You are listening to the Women's Basketball Worldwide Podcast. Welcome everybody to the Women's Basketball Worldwide Podcast. Carlin Gay alongside Natalia Melendez and Mr. Paul Nielsen. Uh, first, before we get into anything, want to give a big shout out to every single person that listened to the first episode the pilot episode we appreciate that we appreciate all the feedback that you've given us and we hope to be better going forward uh paul natalia hello welcome uh we spent how many times uh, like uh, it's been two weeks since i've heard your voices and i'm sure i am positive that uh you guys have not said the c word at all right am i am i right there <laughs> no comment <laughs> no comment. It's only time in my life I'm gonna say no comment. It's very rare. Natalia, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing very, very good. I also want to thank everybody that listened to us in the last two weeks. It's been real, really a pleasure. I'm happy to be here again. Yeah, it's been it's been fun to uh, to do this, and we've been uh, behind the scenes thinking of new ways to kind of present this podcast and and, and make it more of a family slash community feel. And we're gonna do that in episode two right away. If you think that three voices were enough, well, guess what? We will now have four voices on this episode, and we are pleased to be joined by Amanda Zawi, the number two overall pick in the twenty. 15 WNBA draft, uh, one of the faces of Swedish basketball, who is, I'm sure, happy right now in Stockholm, Sweden, that she is not on lockdown like the rest of the world, but it is freezing over there, I understand, Amanda. Yes, and that was like super beautiful like introduction. It made me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like smiling really big. <laughs> well, well, hopefully... Hopefully the bar doesn't stop there, right? Hopefully we, we, we keep it higher and higher going forward. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, made, yeah. it, made, it made me even more happy because I don't have to do it again. Carlin's such a pro. So <laughs> that pilot one, the, big, the biggest feedback was uh, more of Carlin's voice. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's a lie. 100% that is a lie. But what will we have? We will have more of, uh, of Amanda's voice because this is a an interesting sort of scenario for for you and many other athletes around the world we'll get to the olympics a little bit later on but let's first start off where you are right now what's happening in your world uh and 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 what's kind of you know what what's the COVID 19 situation how that's put a stop to what you would be doing normally right so uh right now i'm home in stockholm sweden and like you said it is freezing outside like really really cold um and i just got from turkey where it wasn't that cold and i was out on my balcony tanning so i'm kind of upset about that but um because of the virus and everything going on um no one is playing at the moment which sucks um supposed to be in playoffs and i'm not i'm just waiting to see what tomorrow is going to bring Yes. Can can you clarify the situation in terms of, I mean, you you played in China this this past season, shall we say? Yes. Although they play a shortened season, were, when you were there, were, just the timing wise in terms of the calendar of how it worked in terms of, were you aware that COVID nineteen was happening? When did you leave? Were you worried about it? How how did that kind of kind of progress? Yeah, so while I was in China, nobody spoke about about it, and I don't even think that we we knew about it. Um, Teresa Plissons and uh, Liz Cambage got really sick during season, and uh, we played against Teresa's team, and she told me that she had this crazy pneumonia, and she basically saw death. Like, 
you know, and they forced her to play. But um, she said it was like she'd never been that sick in her life. And she's not a person that complains or talk about herself. So it was kind of weird to hear that. But we really didn't think much about it. You know, we played the game and <laughs> went on about our lives. Mm-hmm. And um, I left January 3rd or 4th uh, because of the Olympic break. So the Chinese national team had a whole month of preparation for the Olympic qualifications. So therefore, everyone were were able to go home. So I went home, not thinking much about it. And once I came home a couple of weeks into it, people started talking about the virus more and more and how, how it was spreading and so forth. So at that point, it was more so waiting game for me mm-hmm. if we were going to send me back there or not. And I, I have a great agent and we just quickly turned our focus into the Olympic qualification. So I could focus on that and she took care of everything else. And it wasn't until days before we left for Belgium that I decided not to bring both of my suitcases because I packed both in case I had to leave from Belgium uh, and go back to Shandong. So we decided that I just that I was just going to bring one suitcase and just play the games and then go home and see whatever was going to happen after that point. And yeah, so it kind of like, I feel like it kind of followed me in a sense mm-hmm. because then it came over to Europe and it became a really big thing over here, obviously. And um, after a couple of weeks, after the, the qualification, I, I signed for a team in Turkey and it was so chill in Turkey. Like people talked about, about it, but nobody really like it wasn't in in Turkey, you know what I'm saying? So I was there for 15 days and then I had to leave because they were shutting down the league. So and now I'm home. So it kind of been following me, I guess, but in a good way because nobody caught it yet. Have you ever have you been able to speak to any of your teammates in New York? Yeah. Oh, well, nobody's really in New York. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, everyone are, most of us played overseas, so, and we from all around the world, like, we have players from Australia, from Cali, you know, the people in New York who are there, um, that no longer play for the Liberty, um, they are all staying in their houses, so, yeah. Just, just, just going back to when you originally went to China, mm-hmm. um, you know, talking about agents and obviously yourself and when it comes to decisions I guess you know I've I've heard from a lot of other players that you know it's a big decision obviously the money's great but you know it really is stepping um into a little bit of the unknown what what kind of thoughts were going through your mind and how did it contrast to when you you know when you got there and it was obviously very different oh man um so I was I, I was really excited. I signed my contract and, you know, we had the European qualifications uh, with the national team in November. So I left straight after that game. I got on a plane and headed to Hong Kong. And it wasn't until I actually hugged my family that it hit me that I'm moving to China. And it was so scary. I'm an emotional person, but that really put me on my heels like, wow, I'm I'm flying all the way to Asia. Like, I've never been. Like, it sounds very ignorant, but the most that I've ever done when it comes to Asia is eating Chinese food and Japanese food, you know? So it was like, oh, my God. Uh, But once I got there, it was fine. (laughs) It wasn't bad. Um, I don't eat meat. So that was probably, like, one of the biggest things when we were having dinner and lunches together that, there was not really a lot of options for me. Um, and then I hit the little culture crock or whatever you can call it, crash, where like I just got really homesick. I was really homesick. And I moved out when I was 16, 15, 16. So I've been on my own for a very long time. But at that point, I felt like I'd never been this lonely in my life. 
So I spent a lot of hours on FaceTime with my family and friends and my agents. And um, I thank God that my teammates are amazing. And my translator, Harry, absolutely adorable. Like they really took care of me when I felt bad. I wasn't feeling well. Um, And, you know, I, I missed Christmas with my family and all of my teammates bought me little Christmas gifts and it they just showed me so much love that like I got over that hump but it's tough it really is tough and I'm I'm I would say I'm a mentally strong human but that that really tested me for for an athlete like yourself uh especially a female athlete playing the game of basketball you do have to travel a lot you mentioned that you've been on sort of on your own since you were 16 uh, I know you came over to the States sometime to play basketball, college ball as well, and, and now mm-hmm. the pros. And then all over the world uh, in the WNBA offseason playing, uh, most recently obviously in China, and, and as you mentioned, Turkey. For someone, if if there was a young lady out there listening right now that had a decision to make uh, to to travel overseas, what are some of the things that they would have to know or have to think about that you didn't think about in your initial uh, ex, you know, uh, times traveling for the for the first couple of years during your uh, your pro career. Um, definitely that you're going to spend a lot of time by yourself. Uh, in between practices and games, um, even on the road, you know, you have your teammates, but you definitely gonna find yourself, who you are as a player and who you are as a person, and um, it's not always easy, you know. Um, I go back often and think about my first years as a pro and <laughs> it, it it's taken me till today to really find and figure out what kind of person I am and what I want to do in my life besides basketball. And it's a blessing. Like it's so much fun traveling around the world. Um, but you definitely need to be ready to see the ugly sides of yourself and the size that you might not want to work on or even think of that you have, you know, your weaknesses or whatever the case might be. Um, For you, traveling, what would that be? If, if, if you were thinking about things that, you know, 10 years ago, you could have told yourself, what, what would that be for you? Uh, 10 years ago, I would definitely say humble yourself. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, but, but come in with an ad, like, I I was very cocky when I was younger, so I would definitely say humble yourself because once it does when it didn't go my way, it it almost broke me, um, and it was really tough. Not I don't like to fail, so allowing myself to you know in order to be successful, you need to fail along the way, and yeah, I think that's something that I would definitely try to preach into the younger man than anybody else coming behind me and after me it's okay to make mistakes you don't have to be so hard on yourself like set goals and do whatever you can to reach them but it's okay to fall down as long as you get back up just just going back to um in terms of the experience in china on on the court because i always think maybe it's a little unfair that whoever plays in china we always kind of focus on that um off off the court kind of um, experience on the court. Did you feel as though you kind of um, had the level of uh, competition, the, the tenacity and everything? Cause I know obviously one of the things you have to sacrifice when I mean, you had a great season in Chopron the, the year before playing EuroLeague women every week, the Hungarian leagues, you know, pretty good, good competitive standard throughout. I mean, how was it in terms of the actual games? Were you getting enough from those games? Um, my role became completely different to what I'm used to. Um, so starting there, I I had to take all the shots basically. Um, I I had to grab all the rebounds. There were no one that that I could feed off, or you know, that was supposed to feed off me, and we could go fifty fifty or not. Um, so that was like the biggest change for me. I'm I'm usually a team player, I would say. So it was hard mm-hmm. doing that. And then 
most players that go to China who are not Chinese are big players. So then my assignment was to guard Liz Cambage and Teresa Plessons and Natasha Howard. So it was, uh, that competition was very good, obviously, talking about the best players in the world. Um, But I want to say that it definitely helped me um, develop myself in, in the game, become better and more understanding of how to take a good shot instead of just taking a good shot, you know, or like just taking a shot. If that makes any sense, it yeah. makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When when you look at that, uh, that experience uh, heading to China, I know a lot of people have the decision to make is for some, it's very easy. You take the money, you go and you, you make the best out of the situation. But when you look at competition wise and getting better as a player, uh, and putting yourself in the best situation to develop as a player, how much does that have to weigh into those decisions when you make, uh, when, you, when your contract comes up and you have to sit down with your agent and say, these are your options. How do you make that decision to, to go to a China or stay in Europe or play EuroLeague or, or even play the WNBA? How do you make that, those sort of choices? So my agent's always, she always tells me that I'm, I'm different uh, because that's always something I think of. Um, and this might sound crazy, but money comes seconds for me. Second, um, I'm still very young. I'm very young in my game. So I always want, I always not, want to Not everybody would say that, by the way, Amanda. I, 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 speaking I, for myself alone, that is not something I would say. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but here's my thing. I grew up watching EuroLeague as a young, as a young girl and ball player and I always wanted to play with Sylvia Fowles and DT and, you know, Becky and everybody when they played in, in, in Russia together. That's what I wanted to do. So I always had that mindset of I always want to play against the best players all the time because that's the only way I'm going to get better. Yes, practice and all honor, that's when you really grind. But the test is in the game when you actually get up against Sylvia Fowles. You know what I'm saying? So – um, that's something that I think a lot about. Like, am I going to get better or am I, you know, it's all on me, like, to develop myself and practice. Do I want to play against the best players in the games too? So going to China was something that I honestly thought I never would do. <laughs> it was really like a take a risk and jump off the cliff. Amanda, uh... On 2015, you were the number two pick in the WNBA. That brings a lot of pressure to a young player. But you mentioned something to CBS New York after you got traded to New York. You said that you felt lost, that you thought that you failed. But then you saw it as a great opportunity. Can you take us to that moment? What went through your mind? Oh, yeah. So that goes back to me being extremely hard on myself. I do not like to fail. Um, if I set a goal and I don't reach it or, you know, I, I, I take another route, then I don't feel like I'm, I'm being successful. Mm-hmm. And um, I was definitely not successful, as successful as I wanted to be my rookie year in Tulsa. Um, so when I got traded, my first thought, instead of thinking, wow, this is a great opportunity for me to prove myself once again, I've been given a second chance. Mm-hmm. I thought to myself, damn, I suck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they don't want me yeah. in their team. Like, I'm not doing enough to be valued in this situation as a player. Um, So I was really upset and angry with myself. No one else really just all on me. Um, But, you know, I have a great support system, my parents. And um, I remember... Um, I had my, my, my meeting when they told me I was moving to New York and I called my mom and brother, they were home in Sweden and my dad was in the Ivory Coast. So I I had my mom call him and then he called me and he said, well, all right, so this is a great opportunity for you Mm -hmm. to get better, to, um, you know, prove yourself, not, not for everyone else, even though that's something that you want to do, but this is a chance for you to prove yourself. Because everybody wants to be, you know, at the end of it. At the end of the day, everybody wants to be in New York. 
it's good that oh, you saw I mean, it. We popping in New York. I know that now. <laughs> <laughs> I just I was so caught up in not being wanted anymore. And you, like you also, I failed. You also mentioned Amanda how important Kathy Smith was for you in this process. Who is she? Oh man, Katie, she um Katie's like a OG. Like I did not expect that when I met her first. Uh, but you know, I didn't play much that year either, and it was really hard for me. Um, but she, her and Teaspoon, mm-hmm. um, and even her Williams, they've been grinding with me every single day, <laughs> and just kept pushing me. You know, your That's name, great. your number's gonna be called. You gotta be ready. You know, mm-hmm. you gotta work out extra, and once your name is called, then you gotta you gotta make something happen. Mm-hmm. And that that's the mentality that they were pushing me through every single workout, every single practice, every talk after every game, your name's going to be called. You're going to be ready because we put the work in, you know, and they installed an extra level, I want to say, of killer instinct that I already had. But they they gave me the pro level of it, you know, and I still have so much more to learn from them. Um, but, yeah, so Katie been a huge part of leading me to where I am today. Herb Williams, I can't tell you how many times I banged with him on the block. <laughs> and and he's huge. <laughs> and Teaspoon, that that's my twin, man. Like we be in the gym all the time. I'll be texting her like, hey, we need to go to the gym. She's like, no, we got a game tomorrow. If your name being called, you gotta be ready. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm like, well I'm realistic. Like I might not play much this game. And she's like, your name gonna be called. And then, you know, when when whoever called me in, I, I looked at her running on the side like, yes, let's go, you know. By the way, man, some some might say that when uh, when when Tulsa decided to uh, set ship you off to New York, that was probably the end of the franchise because they did not come back the next year. So so you can look at it that way. That, that, that was the, the beginning of the end for them. Well, technically, Tulsa didn't do it. It was Dallas. <laughs> yeah. I love my yeah. Tulsa. <laughs> <laughs> He cuts, doesn't get, now gets. Going to work with a right hand hook is good. And she is just taken over at the offensive end. Listen, I, I, on a, I, I just changing the gear slightly, um, Amanda. Me, me and you um, spoke a while ago just about, I don't know if everybody knows about um, how you really did break through into the Swedish mainstream media with this. Uh, pretty famous speech you gave so I think the story was you were at some um, award show you were getting presented with an award and I know you told me when we went the hotel at final four mm-hmm. last year having a chat about how your heart was you know coming through your chest you were so nervous and you just you just kind of gave this speech about um, whatever it was so do you just want to tell the listeners about what, what that was about and what the experience was for you because I found it so interesting yeah so we have this sports gala each year in Sweden where um, the best athletes are getting rewarded. And it's from every single sport, um, whether it's on your field or court, or in my case, it was for what I do outside the basketball court. And um, I'm really big on giving back to my community or whoever, really. And I've been um, working with this group of amazing humans under the name of Luca Heroes. And um, basically we support people who brings whoever under a roof or on a court together to make sure that their community is active and um, loved. So I got assigned with a group of girls um, that are basically from the slums or the hood in Sweden where less than 4% of the girls are doing any kind of activity after school. So you like four less than 4%, that's nothing. Like literally that's nothing. And these are young kids that are just chilling on the by the streets or by the subway or you know. And um my role in that became to inspire them to just hang around other girls and stay healthy. And healthy doesn't mean that you are practicing to become the next Amanda Zowie or the next Ellen Elderbrink. Like 
healthy is just being around positive vibes and energy, you know what I'm saying? Moving around a little bit, talk shit with your girls, you know, whatever uplifts you. And uh, one, the the area that the girls are hanging out in is where I'm born. I'm born there. So um, it felt close to my heart right away. But then I just really love them girls, dude. Like, it was such a great feeling. Like, I, I brought Benta Drama with me there, my best friend. And uh, we were just playing around. Like, we became 15 again. Like, we were just running around playing with them and had conversations and hugged and high-fived and um, just stayed in contact with them, you know. Um, they have done, the the three main girls over there done an amazing job of keep pushing the younger generation to just keep on playing basketball. Like, y'all don't have to be become the best players, but, like, have fun with it, you know. And now they have been taken under um, a club in Sweden that is taking care of them, which is beautiful. So I got rewarded for that work in the community. And like like Paul said, I was shit nervous standing on that stage. <laughs> like, I do not like to talk. Like, this is perfect because I'm chilling. But standing in front of, like, thousands of people and then knowing that it's live and everyone's looking at me. Like, there's no one else on that stage. But this was on Swedish TV. No, this is like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was loud. Yeah, like, the whole country watches this. Like, so in my head, I'm like, all right, 900, 9 million people are staring right at me. I'm like, what? On the court, at least there's like nine other people, you know? But no. So <laughs> I held a speech, and it's, I was just basically just like, talking from my heart like you know I stand up for equality um and um equality for all really uh I speak up against racism homophobia uh all that like I just want this world to be a better place um and I'm very outspoken about the things that I believe in so that's what I was talking about and I don't think that many people was expecting that you know in Sweden, we are supposed to, everybody's supposed to be, you know, a little bit the same and not speak up too loud and not be too quiet, you know what I'm saying? So, me just being me with my big hair and, yeah, speaking my and mind. The, <laughs> and, the rea- the rea- and the reaction, though, was like, I think that was even more unexpected, wasn't it? Then the, the next day, things just went, Yo, went crazy with the reaction. There yes. was so much growth. No, that was crazy. Like, my phone was blowing up. And I don't have that many friends. So I know, like, (laughs) when my phone is going off, it's going off. And I was just sitting there like, dude, like, people actually heard me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't just, like, somebody standing on the stage, yada, yada, yada. Like, people actually heard me. And I got messages from people, like, saying, like, thank you for doing this and that. And thank you for speaking up. And that was the most touching part where, like, people that have no idea what basketball is, they, they, you know what I'm saying, like, zero. And they thanked me for what, I, for what I'm doing, for what I believe in, and, you know, pushing me. Like, I believe in the same thing, and I want you to keep going because you fuel me. And that fuels me. That, that, that shows that the why God put me on earth. Like, my purpose is working, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm spreading that light. Grow, growing up as a, as a young girl, playing the game that you loved, and, and I guess having the dream of one day, you know, getting paid to do what you do, did you ever expect that that would spill over into being a, a mouthpiece and a role model for many, not just women, but, but human beings across the globe? Uh, was it that moment that you realized that, yes, this is, you know, this basketball thing's cool, but there's also another part to this? As a young girl, no. I just wanted to play in Spain and make money. That was it. <laughs> um, but it wasn't, I mean, my parents always been very open with me and my brother and, you know, always told us that we got to speak up for the things that we believe in. And uh, you always got to give back. So that's always been in my blood and my DNA to give back. But I never really thought that I would reach this level to where like people actually hear me and look up to me in the way that they do. Because to me, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do, according to my parents. 
Halverson has nowhere to go. Wide open. Zowie for three. Got it. Let's 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 switch gears a little bit and, and talk about uh, the Olympic Games uh, a little bit. I know that uh, <laughs> qualification for Sweden wasn't successful. I was there, we saw it, but there was a lot of passion and emotion with that with your team uh, and your teammates. And 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 it looked to me and and correct me if I'm wrong in saying this. Looked to me that heading into that tournament, you you and uh, your teammates felt like you had a lot of pressure on your shoulders to to kind of not just wear the you know the country flag on your chest but really perform at a high level given the standard that was going to be expected from that group it was somewhat of a group of death some would say mm-hmm. uh in in belgium so talk us through those um, those moments and leading up to to the games as you guys were coming in there as underdogs but it you felt i felt like you guys had a lot of pressure on your shoulders to try and perform yeah i mean i i doubt that it was a lot of people outside of sweden um, that thought that we were going to make it um, because it was such a hard group. Like, mm-hmm. it was tough, you know? Um, but we are, every single person in, from the starting five to the med staff, all of us are winners. And that's the mentality that we walk with and the the way we think. So we got to Belgium thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're we going to carry this. We're going to carry our country on our back, and we're going to make history, and that's how we want to play. So we put that pressure on ourselves, but we we held each other's hands, if that makes sense. At the same time, like, we in this together. We got this together. Mm-hmm. And we knew it was going to be tough. And after the first game, you know, we have another game. After the second game, well, all right, we we got a third game. And then we really played our hearts out and we really did our best with what we had and what we have. And um, it's still tough. It still makes me really upset that we didn't reach our goal. But I think that this is a huge step in the right direction because now we know what we need to get better or how we need to get better and what level we need to be on in order to be with the absolute best. You know, so it was a great step in the right direction alongside with a nice little wake up call. Like what we did wasn't enough and we need to do better in a very positive way though. Yeah. Now something that that me and Carla mentioned a lot, we really enjoy your coach. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. He's a new guy, right? He's not been with this team for a long time. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. He he's new. How how tough? Yeah. It's not easy to come to a competition like this and to have a new coach. It's tough. Yeah, I mean, he is amazing. Marco is amazing. Um, great basketball coach, even better human. Um, and he made sure that everybody that made the roster were bought in. Every single one of us knew what he wanted from each and each and single one of us. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I knew what he wanted from Faria. Paulina knew what he wanted from me, you know, and he's very open and honest. And then he's animated and he has a lot of energy and it fuels us. I <laughs> yes. love it. Yes. You know, I'm a very animated player <laughs> with a lot of energy. So seeing that on the sideline during practice it didn't start in the game it started it started first practice our first meeting he was running on the sideline with us when we were running uh fast break drills you know so already there it was a sense of we all bought in together and we are one big family you know yeah i think i think it was clear to me that um you guys were just in like you say a group of death i mean you could see I mean, we've already spoken about this in the first podcast, but you can kind of see Belgium, Japan, Canada even making an Olympic final against the USA or, or whatever. I mean, that's maybe had you been in a, in, a, in a different group, then it might have been a different story. But, you know, it was always going to be so, so tough. I'm just, um, I'm just to, so happy to, that they were not in Group B. I'm so happy, sweetie, <laughs> for obvious reasons. Yeah, right. yeah, you right. you're laughing now that Puerto Rico beat Brazil, Natalia. But you, you would not have enjoyed commentating in Ostend if it had been Puerto Rico in Japan, Canada, and Belgium. Believe me. Right. <laughs> 
that's that's good. That's that's good stuff. Uh, one one of the things that did st- stick out as we did talk about on the first podcast, and I want to know your opinion on it because you actually played these teams. Uh, me, Paul, and Natalia all agree that the three teams that you played in that group of death have, as Paul said, have a legit chance of making an Olympic final against Team USA. Um, what do you, what do you think? What, how would you rank them based off of you know the styles that they play heading into a tournament where anything could happen over a week uh, versus um, you know if you were to say you know kind of predict what would happen? Put on your analysis hat. Join us on our side. Get in trouble. <laughs> be, this is what the media is all about. Get in trouble. Say something. Say something that's going to get you in trouble. And Amanda, Amanda, just before you jump in, just before you jump in, it's fine to say Canada third. Uh, with Colin being Canadian, don't feel any pressure. Rank them third because clearly Belgium and Japan are better. Uh, um, I mean, Japan are stupid good. Like yes, and mm-hmm. and they were great against us, and that wasn't even their best game, you know. And it's like whoever plays them. Y'all better be in shape because these humans are sprinting, you know? So it's like, damn, I thought I was fast for a big girl. Guess you're not, you know? Um, So I'm not going to rank them. Uh, Obviously, Canada um, just plays so well together. Like, you, you can't have one second of slacking or sleeping on anyone on the floor. That's right. And That's right. <laughs> but then Belgium, I mean, they play really well together. And um I played against Emma since I was like what from the age between 13 and 15 when we played with the older kids and she's she's so good. Like <laughs> she's so good and she leads her team so well without making like crazy noise, you know what I'm saying? Like she do all the small things and all the right things and putting everyone in the right position and being a post player. Like, if you actually study her game, like, that's crazy. Because it's like she she leads her team, but from the block. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of post players that can do that. And I think that's why they are so successful, because she lifts, lifts up everyone around her. So, yeah. yeah, three great, three great teams. So I mean, it, <clears throat> I just think though that if uh, we were talking in the first podcast, I mean that um, I I can't speak highly enough of that uh, Belgium kind of Japan game. Though it's just just amazing basketball, I and mean, it's you know it is just a shame that we'll uh, have to wait another year for the big tournament to see who's right and who reaches the final. I mean, what did you guys think about the? Olympics being postponed, I guess they didn't really have much of a choice. I mean, right decision, right decision to be made. Health always obviously has to come first, so uh, that was an easy decision in my opinion to make, right decision to make. And, and now this opens up the door and, and, and takes away the guessing game, and because we were guessing on the first podcast, and that was two weeks ago. So it takes away yeah. the guessing game, and and mm-hmm. now you open up the door for everybody to know when when we're actually going to get going and. Uh, all the athletes, not just the basketball players, all the athletes around the world now have their end date, so they can start to you know train at that point and 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 have that crescendo when we get to Japan eventually. So, I mean, it, that to me was could it was a layup of a decision uh, to, to push it back a year, and uh, I, it's not my money again, which I, I know there, there's a lot of money involved, and it's not my money, so it's easy for me to say, but it was the right decision when you're talking about people's health. <laughs> Yeah. You know, you know what really, really hit me was uh, two things, um, and I think this is not just basketball, but kind of every sport and every athlete who, who's involved. At one end of the spectrum, you have like kind of the veteran players, like you know, um, Sue Bird, Diana Tarazi. Mm-hmm. Um, you have other veterans and routers of, of Belgium, for example, who we saw in our stand. Mm-hmm. They've got to go another year, and then. You had the girl, sorry, I've forgotten her name, um, Natalia from Puerto Rico, who got that terrible ACL injury, thought her dream, an Olympic dream, had been shattered. She tweeted back to me that God had a plan, and then lo and behold, she's mm-hmm. probably going to get to go. Yes. It's crazy. She called me right away. It was like at 6 o'clock in the morning when the news came on Twitter, and she was calling me. And she said, God has a plan. God has a plan. She was so happy. She was crying on the phone. 
Because he said, I'm going to have this opportunity to go uh, to the Olympics. And, you know, I'm just very happy for her because, I, you know, before all this COVID-19 COVID started, she was already training because even though she's going to go through surgery, she needs to strengthen her knees before. Mm -hmm. so she didn't waste any day. She was at the gym already working out. So... Daishali Salaman is her name. Daishali Salaman. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Give her a shout out. She deserves that. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. She's one happy. of the uh, one of the most exciting players on this side of the world, uh, on, on, the, on the North American, uh, South American side of the world. Um, I, I enjoy watching her play Dynamite. That's her nickname. That's her she's, nickname. Uh, she's yeah. absolutely that. Is it time for the jaw dropper, Paul? Are we are we getting to the jaw dropper? Are we putting people on the spot here? What's up? <laughs> you know, when I woke up this morning, I nearly <laughs> I nearly lost lost the courage to actually go through with it. But uh, like, go ahead, Colin. Explain explain what this week's is about. Go on, explain. Well, the jaw dropper and Amanda, you you can absolutely plead the fifth here and not not uh, participate. Uh, as a player that still has to face some of these people. Uh, but we in the media like to toe the line of controversy, so we will do that. Uh, the Jaw Dropper, which is a segment designed to create discussion, not controversy, create discussion. Uh, this week's Jaw Dropper, uh, Paul sent us the question, uh, who, and, and, and I want to say the word overrated, but who is overrated in your opinion that you do not get the hype about in the women's basketball game? Could it be a historical figure? Could it be a player now? Uh, could it be anyone? Um, so so I, I guess I'll kick things off. And I hate to do this, but I didn't want to be a coward. I didn't want Natalia and Paul to call me out for being a coward. So I, I, I am coming. I am, Please make me feel better. Please make me feel better. I am coming at this, I'm coming at this great legend. I'm coming at this great legend. And also understanding that she is now part of our team on, on the media side of things, but I'm coming at the great legend. Rebecca Lobo. Love her to death. Absolutely love her to death. Okay. One of the greatest college players of all time. A great broadcaster. Uh, but when you go back, when you go back and look at her numbers in the WNBA, um, she came to the league or the league came about when, right when she was supposed to be in the prime of her career. Like it wasn't like she missed time she went through college and was able to play in the WNBA where a lot of the players before her didn't have that opportunity or uh, had to join the WNBA in the middle of their their playing career she joined right at the age of 23 years old she was able to play through that with the New York Liberty uh, and first two years put up great numbers after that steep drop off so to put her on the legendary status that we have uh, I'm sorry. We can't. We can't do it. She had a great college career, an, an incredible college career, probably one of the best of all time. But as a pro, I mean, she she could have done better in in the W, and uh, it, it just it just isn't there. But like I said, great broadcaster. She's on our side now, so I feel bad for saying it. But that's my pick, Rebecca Lobo. I didn't want to be a coward. I had to pick someone. Well, well done. F finish on a high. Finish on a high. Um, Natalia. No, no, Paul, you first. <laughs> well, I told you this. I told you this on private. I was not gonna do the jaw dropper. No, Carla, I, I have a secret to tell you. I told Paul, but I did not tell you. <laughs> yeah. You guys are gonna, you guys are gonna pull out on this. On, on my, you see, see the team that I have, Amanda. You, you talk about, you talk about teammates. Unbelievable. Put me out on on the, on the ledge now. Colin, is that your phone? Or you got a message from uh, Rebecca Lobo there? Dropped it. <laughs> She'll, she'll never look at me. First of all, she doesn't know who I am, but if she finds out, she she will definitely definitely have something to say. Yeah, yeah there'll be a lot of googling going on when she hears this. Um, okay, so, um, are you ready? Maybe if I just maybe if I just say the name really fast and then we move on. No, we want the explanation. Okay. Whew. Sue Bird. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah, yeah, I highly disagree. Well, but let's hear the explanation. Yeah. Go for it. Well, well, okay. Um, well, the easiest way of explaining it is that you know whether it's the Bieber or Madonna or whoever, 
those guys are the popular top of the game will be recording legends for numbers for achievements and everything but i don't have to put them on when i'm in the car and it, it's just that kind of like i respect what she's achieved and i even call her a legend you know when i when i sent the message to you but i, I just I, I just don't get her I, um I, I, I can't explain it I, maybe it's because i didn't see her early enough in a career as often but yeah i mean maybe i was just transfixed with uh with dt alongside her and that's probably part of it um i i think i probably just didn't give her the the kudos but i don't know it's super just <laughs> super don't get her. i don't know what do you guys think i'm just gonna see if paul had a concussion this morning Have you guys realized that you just mentioned two UConn players? Gino yeah. is not going to be. Oh, yeah, the conspiracy. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it might be the. We're never getting a Gino interview. That's that's for sure. That is out the window. But uh, I mean, I didn't want to be a coward. I just didn't want to be a coward. Yeah. Same here. But actually, Colin, just when I mentioned uh, Tarazi there, um, by total coincidence, just going off on a quick tangent, I found an old uh, DVD. Um, at the weekend and on Sunday I had one of these devices where you could load it onto the laptop um, so I put it on and it, was, it was it just made me laugh so much it was a 2007 EuroLeague women all-star game or 2008 something right. like that and Tarazi was playing and I didn't want to watch all of the intro I thought I'll just kind of skip it from the start And I just landed, I think it was about three minutes into the second quarter, and there was a thing come up on the screen which said, Tarazi had a third foul already. And she was screaming at the referee, and I just thought, this is an all-star game. It's not even the middle of the second quarter. And I, it just made me laugh, and I just thought, that that's probably why I didn't look at Sue, because I was I was so mesmerized with, uh, with her game and intensity. But what a baller she is, by the way. Yeah, I, at least my I, I I feel like I'm confident in saying that you know Rebecca Lobo might be slightly overrated, but Sue Bird I, I don't know if I can I mean I if I spent time reading off her her accomplishments right now we'd probably be here for another two hours. Well, I didn't say I didn't say I didn't say overrated because like I say you could get Madonna's list of hits and the Bieber's download numbers and they'll be bigger than anyone else. I just yeah. Uh, I prefer coffee and cheese tea. Fair, fair. Yeah, sorry, yes. Overrated is not what we said. It was you don't get the hype. That's what that's what it was, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You don't get the hype. I, I, I don't get the hype about Rebecca Lobo. Great commentator, but uh, <laughs> Amanda, playing, playing Amanda, who, who's tougher, Liz Cambridge or Brittany Griner? Who? Yes. Um, to play against? You play. <laughs> You, I want to no no no. Listen, I, 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 you know, first question I wanted to make from the beginning was this because Amanda have played all of these great players, and I'm just wondering for her, you know, who's the toughest match? Honestly, they, they are. are so different. Mm -hmm. Like it's like two. I mean, two different styles of play. Um, BG bangs more. So I mean, it, it's. It's harder to take those hits, uh, but then Liz is very mobile, so it's also hard guarding someone who's like, mm -hmm. however tall, and then moves crazy, with or without the ball. So, yeah, <laughs> I believe it. I was going to say Natalia. She is she is media trained to the T. She's, no. she's not. She's not oh, going to give us an answer. No. She's going to say answer. Listen, Amanda's been telling us from the beginning that she doesn't like to talk that much. That she, but I see a lot of potential in her. She can really yeah. do media stuff. She's good. <laughs> you know, you know, guys, you, you have to read between the lines. And what I read, what I read between <laughs> the lines is that little comment that's got away from Amanda, which was, "I had a feeling, Paul, you were going to say that." What? Why did you think that, Amanda? <laughs> I don't know. I literally sat in and I was like, he gonna say something that's not true. Yeah, you, yeah well, well dodged. Well and dodged.
I'll tell you what, Colin, let's let's move on to um the FIBA Women's World Championship in Australia. Yes, yeah, because that was one of the that was one of the things that actually helped me the first week of lockdown. Right. Um, I think I think I tweeted having something, being able to look past the next few weeks, the next few months of all this dreadful stuff that's happening. Uh, really, really cool to see it announced um, outside of Europe for the first time. What since two thousand and six, I think, when it was in Brazil, when actually, ironically, um, Australia won it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, really, really positive. I'm quite happy um, that it that it's there. It's about time, I think. Australia did host um, a major a major tournament. Um, I'm I'm skeptical as to what kind of challenge they can they can do. I think they would be going for something like a sixth out of the last seven podium finishes in the competition. But uh, I just don't know whether it'll come. I don't know, a bit bit too early maybe. I know they've got a load of good good young kids coming through, but uh, huge pressure on uh, on Liz to kind of you know stay healthy, lead the team, keep keep her composure, and you know it'll it'll be really interesting. It's going to be fun. I I know that uh, as you guys both know, and 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 Amanda, you'll now know that I did spend some time living in Australia, and that was. Speaking to those in the know over there, they've been trying to get a major event uh, over in Australia for quite some time. To see them be able to land this World Cup uh, is, is you know, congratulations to all those who are putting, uh, you know, all the groundwork down to, to have an event like this. Where they're going to have it is at the uh, Sydney Olympic Park. So it's going to be in Sydney, Australia, um, on the same grounds where the Olympics were held, where they were playing basketball uh, way back when, Sydney 2000, 2000 Olympic Games. Uh, and the venues are awesome. They're side by side, so you can walk between both. They're gonna, it's going to be super fan fan friendly. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to get over there, and uh, it's going to be tough. There's only 12 teams going. Exactly, and I'm not happy about that. <laughs> why not? Why, why because not? we were the 15th team that classified last World Cup. Well, yeah. yeah. They say- I, I mean, I. I- the well, same with Belgium. I mean, I, Paul, don't start. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I give, give us, give us a honest. chance. We were uh, the 15th team that classified in the last World Cup in Spain. That, that Puerto Rico didn't want any game, but we were in the World Cup. You know how much money uh, the government and everybody give to the team? We grow as, you know, as a national team. It helped us. That World Cup helped us. The same it can help other other teams like Belgium. Belgium never was never on the World Cup before. It was their first time. And because they went to the World Cup, all the eyes were on them. I think it, it gives other countries opportunities. You know they're not gonna win, but it helps them in their country. I mean, I I think that's being sensitive to those who I mean, it's it's a bit like in uh, the FIBA Women's Eurobasket, and I know Amanda will probably kind of associate herself with this. There's a bunch of teams. I mean, I classify probably Sweden, Great Britain, those types of teams who, you know, it's a very fine line. They kind of if the if they were to reduce it down to twelve or something for that, it would be really really tough. No, I was just gonna say there's so many great countries and teams that are growing and it's like everyone are getting so good nowadays that it's like there's there's not a lot of room for all of us you know unless you like on the top top that's all I was gonna say <laughs> yeah I mean Frida hit Frida hit that shot was it Frida or was it yeah it was Frida who hit the shot against Russia right Ooh. at the end for you guys oh. to get to the qualifying tournament so yeah, I mean, really fine margins, um, especially yeah. in Europe. But I think I think the point you make, Natalia, about um, you know whether it's the Americas or whether it's Africa, and allowing other countries to grow, not just in terms of participation, but the extra benefits which sometimes may get lost in growing the kind of capacity to to grow the sport, not just mm-hmm. kind of playing these competitions as. Um, is difficult, but I think the cold hard truth, and you'll see this at all levels, um, is that there's just not enough people and enough money to kind of support um, the hosting of, of, of women's of women's tournaments. Mm-hmm. You know, I know they have struggles at various youth levels and everything, and that's why we've got to 
collectively as a family just try and do everything we can to kind of encourage the mainstream to to, to at least give it some respect give it some time mm-hmm. um i mean i never ask anybody to like women's basketball even though it's you know after family it's the biggest thing in my life but i just ask that you know that the sport gets a little bit of respect and a little bit of time and you know from from people who might have just kind of shrugged it off kind of you know just you know, you do get some bigots out there, but there's a lot of mainstream people who just never really checked it out. So, you know, from that point of view, only having the 12 teams, the quality might be higher, but I think it will be um, difficult maybe to attract more people, but we'll see. It, it also has to be somewhat of an education point as well. And this is on people like us three who, who do a podcast like this to spread it amongst our friends that are also in the media to to continue to educate, not just what the importance, importance of a World Cup is, but the Continental Cups also mean so much more now. When you only have 12 teams going to a World Cup, well, the European Championship means more. The North American Championship, the Asian mm-hmm. Cup means so much more. Uh, African Championship. So, and I don't think people living in those areas understand how big of a tournament it is and how much prestige comes alongside winning or even just participating in those events. So it's a it's a, it's a it's an education point as well for uh, the fans who. Uh, who even follow or even fringe followers, they just don't understand the magnitude that goes into these events. So I, I think it's it's going to take time to, to really educate the masses and, uh, you know, continue to, to, to help the game grow uh, all across the globe. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, I think that, t- to be honest, in, in all of this, the important thing is, is that I think the flagship tournaments are great events. Um, because ultimately the, there will be more eyes on women's basketball um, in Tokyo than any other tournament um, before the World Cup, obviously, then that might be on a par. I, I don't know what the figures are, but that's why the, this Tokyo tournament, it's so, so important that there's so many teams on a, on a great level. I mean, we'll not go over that same ground, but, um, you know, it will be such a great spectacle and hopefully Australia and what happens in Sydney will, will, will be the same. And especially after... You know what's turning out to be a, a horrible 2020 even beyond sport that we've got two big things to to look forward to uh, as well as much more and that i think that's just the most important thing if you love women's ball that we've got um, some really high class tournaments to come yeah with the new amanda with the new qualification process that's kind of been put in place since uh since 2019 as a player um what, is, what does that mean to you now? Now that you're able to kind of play more games for the national team, and but it's be it in a shorter period of time, but um, some of them also being at home, which in the older process, you probably weren't able to play as home as much. Yeah, no, I love it. Um, I feel like this is the only like way I know of it because I haven't been with the senior national team for that long. So like I've been qualifying and doing all of that. Um, so I love it, especially when we play at home and we play in front of family and friends. And when we played against Croatia for the Europeans qualification, we played in one of the biggest arenas at home. And that was definitely like a dream come true to play for my country at home, representing everybody. And yeah, it's tough because we don't have a lot of time together. You know, we got to learn new plays very fast. but we keep we most teams we keep the same core group so we know each other very well you know so i mean i i love it i don't have much to compare it to so yeah i love it too i love it too it gives me and uh gives people like me and paul and natalia more basketball to cover <laughs> right <laughs> yes uh yeah, so the so the women's uh, World Cup and it, with the Olympics moving closer to it now, you don't have that summer off. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how you know things change. And as you said, Paul, older legs for some some of the teams. Uh, maybe they don't you know double up uh, for a second summer and play at the World Cup. Maybe you have a younger squad and uh, mm-hmm. for for some of these powerhouse teams going to the uh, to the World Cup in in Australia. So maybe you still have you know great competition, but it will allow some of the younger uh, younger players to, to get their caps uh, at, at a major event, which they probably wouldn't have, would not have uh, if, you know, some of these older legs had that summer off in between. So it could be a, a blessing in disguise for a lot of, uh, a lot of young players that probably wouldn't have got the shot. Silence. 
I think I just said that whole, I was talking the entire time and just realized that I had my microphone on mute. So I apologize. <laughs> I don't know if you heard any of you guys, any of you guys heard any of that. Uh, I heard. But what, <laughs> you heard. No, we did. We did. Yeah. And if, if not, if there'd been a problem, I would have just um, basically just filled it in with lots of uh, nice things about Canada being the greatest team ever. And, you know, that's you can never you can never have too much of that and not only on this podcast but in your life it, it, daily you should wake up to the canadian national anthem that's the easiest thing to do in one amanda do you see yeah. yourself after retiring i know you still have a long career uh ahead of you but in the future do you see yourself coaching or maybe working in the federation or you know involving in in the national team administration um no no <laughs> i wanna uh i wanna i wanna coach humans but i want it to be off the court i think that is my main goal really mm -hmm. i just okay. wanna lead i i love young i young souls and young people so that's where my heart is and i know for sure that's what i'm gonna do after basketball then maybe who knows what god has planned if i If I'm going to be a crazy coach and, you know, <laughs> have my team report to the baseline, I feel like I'll have that in me. But um, <laughs> most definitely going to be um, a do mentor have, maybe outside the court. Do you have many uh, women's coaching in Sweden or not? Still not? Um, Not that many. Not that many. I know one for sure, who's an assistant coach. She's actually with us in the national team. She's an assistant coach for a men's team in Sweden. Okay. Um, but I don't think there's a lot of women coaching. Well, we hope that that changes. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, so, I was just about to say, maybe maybe to wrap up, and it, I know this sounds like I'm trying to take the anchor job back from you, Colin, but I'm not. But maybe, maybe we could get Natalia to uh, say thank you for listening in Swedish. Uh, if Amanda basically tells her what it is and then Natalia repeats it because she didn't give us um, anything for the jaw dropper, I think that's only fair. That's the um, <laughs> podcast. Now, listen. Yeah. A Spanish speaker speaking Swedish, it sounds perfect. No se hablar, no, no se hablar sueco. Oh. <laughs> Español en <and> English. <laughs> no, but actually, Carla doesn't know this, but I told Paul. Go ahead, Carla, but I have to tell you, I, I'm going to start with this line. You know I well, love... You're not going to say the jaw drop at all. You right. know I love Kia Nurse. Oh, I my do. goodness. Uh, you know, we'll end the podcast here. Listen, we'll no. Here. <laughs> no, listen to me. I've been following Kia since UConn, right? Right. At the times that I saw Kia playing against Puerto Rico, which are like many, many times because we are in the Americas, right? right. She never had good games against us. And that's that's a that's a matching thing, you know. It has nothing to do with the with the player she is. I still think she is amazing, but I remember thinking she's too emotional when she because Daishali, you know, we just spoke about Daishali. You know, she's right. she's very. She used to talk to her a lot during the game. They almost got into a fight here in Puerto Rico. You remember that? Does not surprise me. That 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 doesn't surprise <laughs> me. Know, this is hard because Kia's like my baby sister, so I'm over here like her. No, 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 no. But Amanda, listen. I told in our last podcast, I said that I think she should have been on the All Star game, All Star team. I love Kia oh, yeah. Nurse. I would just say what oh, yeah. I used to. I used to think that, not anymore. <laughs> Oh yeah, That's but the why, girl's very feisty. I love it. Yeah, she, she no, no, no. She is, she is, and she and Daishali used to go into each other like it was intense, intense. I love it. You, you, everyone, everyone that's listening, all our new listeners, our first time and last time listeners, uh, all, all know uh, that I am one of the biggest supporters of not just my country but Kia. And part of the reason why we're doing this podcast is is, is because of her. So, uh, so shout out to Kia and well, Amanda, Amanda, you know, who didn't think she was supposed to be on the all-star team? <laughs> Mr. Paul Nielsen. Of course. Mr. Paul Nielsen. <laughs> like I said, if my, I'll repeat it once more in case people haven't listened to the first um, podcast. If my own mom 
had those shooting percentages, I wouldn't have given it to her. So yeah, what can I say? She well, was amazing. She was amazing on that tournament. No, she is. She's a, she's a great player. She 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 really is a great player. I just didn't agree with you guys on that. Um, That's how we should okay. end it. That's how we should end it. We should end it there. So if you were playing the drinking game, how long it would take for us to mention Kia's name? You made it all the way to the end of the podcast. Uh, Amanda, thank you so much for spending uh, about an hour plus with us and uh, in, in this time and uh, giving us some insight into what is going on right now in these weird times that we're all living through. Really appreciate your time um, and hope that you decide to come back on in the future so we can actually talk about basketball on the court. Uh, that would be fun. Tak, Amanda. Tak. You say I can speak Swedish. I hear you. Thank you, guys. This was so much fun. <laughs> For Natalia Melendez, Paul Nielsen, I am Carlin Gay. Uh, again, thank you so much for spending your time with us. And uh, please rate, subscribe, and tell all your friends about us. It is the Women's Basketball Worldwide Podcast, and we will see you in a little while.